Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And as you know, we've been going through the book of Exodus. And, and many of you have actually been reading through the book of Exodus, which has been great because there's way too much to cover in a 30-minute sermon, uh, the book of Exodus, over, what are we giving ourselves, seven weeks, I think? And so we're already in, well, no, it's eight weeks, but we're already in week six. And uh, unfortunately, we're just to chapter 15. <laughs> now, things will pick up here in a little bit. We're not going to go over every single law, okay? So, so trust me, the next two weeks, we will get finished with Exodus, all right? Um, even if it takes us an hour, just kidding. We're not. We're not going to. We're not going to do an hour. But notice right here. I want to read just a brief portion here from the text, and I want to remind you, as we're coming, as we're approaching this book again, as you would any time you read the Word of God, make sure you understand where you are. I don't mean in your seat here at church, but I mean where you are in the text. Are we in the Old Testament? Are we in the New Testament? What is the storyline up to this point? This is obviously called context, right? And we need context to what we read or else we'll take it out of context, won't we? It's like one of the professors I had said, a text out of context is only a con. (laughs) Or said another way, a a text out of context is only a pretext for whatever you want to say. And so we don't want to do that. And what has happened so far in Exodus is God has drawn them out. What he's trying to do is now draw them in. He's delivered them from Egypt. And now they've crossed the Red Sea. They've sung about it with great joy and jubilation. I mean, you can imagine. They're watching the Egyptian, the mighty chariot Egyptian army sink. And they just walked through the Red Sea, passed through the waters of the Red Sea and are on the other side. They're singing and then we get verse 22 of 15. Notice these words here. This is the word of God. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. In other words, you can't always just stay uh, where God has done something great. God does a lot of great things in our lives sometimes, but we can't just stay there. It's time to keep moving. He's got greater plans than just the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur, which actually means wall. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to Yahweh, and the Lord showed him a log, or a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there... He tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, 
where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Jesus, we thank you for your word. May we drink from your word this morning in a way that refreshes our soul. We pray in your name. Amen. Why do I give good gifts to my children? Because I I really do think I give good gifts to my children. It's because I love them, of course, right? Well, then you may say, why do you then restrict the gifts that you give to them? Fortnite, for instance. And I would say to you, because I love them, of course. You say, well, that sounds like a contradiction. If you love them, you'd give them unrestricted access to happiness. And we all know happiness is playing Fortnite for seven hours straight, taking a break only to watch other people play Fortnite on YouTube, and then jumping back on for three more hours until your eyes bleed, right? Isn't that what happiness looks like? That is good parenting, isn't it? Wrong. I've seen some of the nastiest things coming out of my children while playing video games. And so because I love them, I restrict them from my gifts. I cut them off. I bar them from playing. Because old dad knows something that they may not yet agree with. And that is, video games don't bring you happiness. Oftentimes I ask him, am I a a rad dad or a bad dad? I say it real quick, you know, I say, am I a rad dad, bad dad? Rad or bad dad? Right, Jackson? He can attest to this. Most of the time I'm a a rad dad, you know, but after I cut off the game, I don't really get an answer. (laughs) Um... But I think if you really pressed them, my children, I think if they really had to come out and say it, they know that I love them, even though I restrict what they think will make them happy. You know, God makes a promise to Abraham of gifts. I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to give you some land. But anyone that knows the story well knows this. Abraham only planted some of the seeds of those gifts. He didn't get to enjoy the land. He never made it to the land. He barely eked out a family. And then was actually asked to sacrifice the chosen son. Now he didn't do it because God stopped his hand. But he was willing to do it. No, Abraham never saw those promises, nor did his son Isaac, nor did his grandson Jacob, or Joseph, or Moses. If you want to talk about the gift of the land, you've got to turn all the way to Joshua. Six books in, before you get this gift that was promised. Does God know what he's doing? (laughs) I mean, his promises didn't come true in the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. 
What kind of God is this that would restrict the very gifts that He wants to give them? He wants to give them these gifts. And yet, waits. Maybe we should ask not, what is God doing? Does He know what He's doing? Maybe we should ask, do we know what God's doing? He knows what He's doing. Do we? And do we understand it? You don't have to agree with it. But you have to understand why He's doing it. And that, I think, is what's going on here in 15, 16, 17, and 18. In these chapters, God is providing a lot of gifts for them. Now, (laughs) He's already provided freedom from slavery in Egypt. He's already provided a way through the impossible Red Sea and the pursuing Egyptian army. And now he will provide water, then food, more water. They are in the desert after all. Security and then organization. So we read where he provides water in bitterness. So notice, just just think with me real quick. Here they are. God delivers them. They think, this is it. He's going to give us the land. It's about three days journey to Canaan. This is going to be over in just a few days and we'll be in the land. He already said he was going to give it to us, right? And this is true. He did. And yet... They don't go the three-day way. God takes them a different way, which leads them right into the Red Sea. They're like, what'd you do? Was there not enough graves in Egypt? You got to bring us out in the desert? Woo us out here to then kill us? What's going on here, Moses? Notice all of their anger throughout 16, 15, 16, 17, 18 is directed toward Moses. Now, Moses will clarify this and say, actually, you're not really mad at me. You're really mad at God. Your ultimate issue is God and not me. Why did you bring us to the Red Sea to die? And Moses says, wait and see the salvation of God. And then they pass through. And then God leads them deeper into the wilderness. Away from the promised land. You're saying, what is he, I mean, what is he doing? I thought he was going to, thought the final destination was Canaan. The promised land. The promises have to be fulfilled, right God? Do it now. God leads them into the wilderness. Remember in Jesus' life, he is baptized. The cloud comes over. We've seen a cloud in Exodus, haven't we? Out of the cloud, the Father speaks. This is my Son. And the Holy Spirit descends and rests on Jesus. Great moment. Beautiful moment. Almost a Red Sea type moment, right? What comes next in the life of Jesus? Where then does the Spirit lead him? Not straight to the cross. He doesn't get baptized and then go straight to the cross. All right, guys, let's get this over. Waiting. No. 
No, no. He goes to the wilderness, the scripture says. It actually says the spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now, any good Jew would have immediately connected this, right, to the great story of the Exodus. Where they too, right after the momentous salvation, right after, if you will, their baptism of passing through the waters into new life, they too are led directly into a place called bitterness. Mara. Into the wilderness. And if you're anything like me, you have to ask, why? Why not just send them right into the land instead of going this long route that's going to ultimately take 40 years before they ever come back and get another chance to go into the land? Why would you lead them on the long way rather than just the short way? I mean, aren't we about efficiency? Well, if that was the final destination, yeah, God messed up big time. (laughs) He took the wrong way. But it's not. Instead, this is about a relationship of love. Not about a destination on earth. That was just where they were going to live together. This is about a personal God wanting to know us. Wanting to give us Gifts that will bring us life and not death. You know, when Jessica and I were dating, and I had the opportunity to be with her, which was a short amount of time, really. I had the summer where we spent nearly every day together. I wouldn't, I wasn't heavy on the foot when I was taking her home. You know what I mean? let's get you home, babe. Okay, see you next time. You know, thanks a lot. I didn't take the short route always. You know what I mean? I'm just enjoying being with her. I care less if we got into a traffic jam. I wasn't harried by that. Oh, no, I get to spend it with the one I love. I thought about that. It's almost like God's like, hey, let's get to know each other before you get into the land. Before we make a home together, let's get to know one another. I want you to know who I am. I want to show you the kind of good gifts that I can give. I want to show you my provision for you. I want to show you that I know you well and can take care of you. He says, Come, let's take a journey, let's go on an adventure. Let me display more of my power that proves to you my love. You see, he's not just flexing his muscles for his own sake. God already knows what he can do. Right? He's doing it to show them how much he loves them. Like a lover. You see... He's not just all about the spotlight. God's not one to do the Red Sea and then once the light's dim, he's out. No, he's God, as I wrote in my notes here, he's God of the spotlight 
and the nightlight. Even when it's dim. Even when it's dark. God wants to be in both rooms. He's not just one for the spotlight. He goes home with us. He's trying to teach them. He's not just trying to do something big to show the world, but to show them personally that he loves them. In other words, you. He did this for you. For me. These words were written for you and for me. These words are still true for you and for me. And yet so many times, like them, we too forget. We forget what he's done. We forget who he is, what he's able to do. And so if he just takes care of the problem, we'll still not know who he is or what he can do. Or maybe something more sinister will happen. We'll think it came from us. I'm able to provide for my needs. It's my job. It's my ability. It's my position at work. It's my position in life. It's my smarts or good looks. And what we do is create a child that gets whatever they want and hates their parents. What kind of tragedy would it be for me to give my children what they wanted, when they wanted it, all the time? It would not produce love between us. They would begin to look at me in such a way that was not loving. Far from it. And the children of Israel, just as children do, have to be on a learning curve, don't they? The desert is going to teach them many things, but it's not the desert. It's God. For He's holding their hand the whole way. Child, not yet. Child, no. Child, do what I say. Trust me. And what he ends up doing is building a relationship of love. Not one where you put in the money, you pull the lever and get something cool out. Like God's a machine. Do it now, God. Where is this happening, Moses? They forget so quickly. And so do we. We start trying to handle it ourselves, don't we? I do. When disaster strikes, when crisis strikes, my brain goes 90 to nothing. And God is saying, hey, 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 didn't you know that I saw this? This is no surprise for me. Will you slow down a minute and listen to me? Before you get yourself killed. God, would you help us to slow down and ask you? What's it going to hurt to ask the God of the universe? We feel like we need to be in control. And so we grasp at things in our life and we don't want to give it to him. 
But he says, child, give me that. It's going to kill you. It'll separate us from each other. Some gifts don't need to be given to my children right now. They need to wait. They don't know how to operate a wonderful knife that grandpa gave me. Not when they're three. But gimme, 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 gimme is our motto to God. Now, God. And if you don't do that, then I'm out because obviously you don't love me. Think about the attitude of the heart of that. And yet how many times when I've opened up my own heart and looked in, I've seen that same rottenness that I've witnessed in my own children when they've been spoiled by something good. You see, I would love to give my children good gifts all the time. But I know that all the time, it doesn't produce love. The final destination is not some room filled with all the things that we could imagine and surf online for. The final destination is the presence of the living God. And where can we have that presence? It cannot be bought on Amazon. It cannot be shipped to your house or purchased on Black Friday. It's already been purchased. He's ready to give it today if we would only ask. And we just hustling and bustling around Seeking every other way, but the only way. God. Yahweh. Jesus. Living in His Spirit. Have you met a Red Sea yet in your life? Where you say, whoa, we can't cross that. That's impossible. And then you look behind, let's go back. And now you've got an army pursuing you. You know you can't go back. But you see no way to go forward. Anybody ever been there? What do we do? (laughs) We do what Moses did. the, The text says, he cried out to Yahweh. I'm convinced the reason, I'm just being candid here, the reason I can't consider my prayers crying out is because, and this is shameful, I don't feel like I need God that bad. In my prayers, I don't know that I can always categorize them as a crying out to God, can you? Now it's a Grocery list a lot of times. Lord, help so-and-so and help so-and-so and help so-and-so and help so-and-so and help so-and-so. Amen. Now, help me also on my day. And help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And God is saying, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I only help you, what is the formula for rottenness? Getting what you want. 
literally rotting your soul. There's no way I'm going to let you play that any longer. Because I know what's best for you. We don't like that. There's something deep in us that rejects that. No, I know what I need, and I need this. No, the only thing that we really need is God. That's a bold statement. When we have Him, we have everything. And when we have everything but Him, we have nothing. And that's easy to say, friends. Rolls off the tongue nice. But in practice, when the nightlight comes on and there are no people looking around or even knowing, what do we do in the quiet place? Is it a cry of the heart? Because I'm submitting to you, if you're in a situation, cry out to God. If you're feeling a deep loneliness, impossibility, like somebody's after you, you cry out to God. You know, that comes that point where you don't even care anymore what it sounds like. You know, some of our prayers, we're thinking, somebody's listening, so I need to really be, you know. There comes a point where you don't care. And that's the point where he starts really listening. Because that's the real you coming out. Not some projected version of you. And he likes that real you. That's the final destination. Is a joining of the real you. And reality, who is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's been a couple times where we thought we lost a kid. Um, you know what I mean? Like we, uh, we're somewhere and all of a sudden we're like, where is so-and-so? And everybody starts looking around and they're nowhere to be found, you know? We're like, one, two, three, four. Uh-oh, we're missing somebody. And there comes a point where you're kind of like, Jackson, Jackson. But then you start getting a little nervous, you know what I mean? It's like, hang on, now he really should be here. Where is he? And you get all crazy, you know what I mean? Jackson! You know what I mean? Jackson! Somebody's like, you know. But you don't care at that point, right? You're willing to cry out. Why? Because you know you need to. Some of us know we need to, but won't do it today. And that saddens me. We know we're feeling it right now. The Holy Spirit is, feels like somebody's sitting right beside us, nudging us. You need to cry out to God. And we won't do it. And I'm praying today that by God's grace, you will. You'll just do it. You won't even care anymore, even what your spouse thinks. Some of us are constrained by even what our spouse would think of us. Well, if I start doing this, they know my past better than anybody. Don't worry about it. The past is the past. And you know what? God wants to create a new way forward. 
Not going back the old way. We're not going back to Egypt. He wants to take us on. And if your spouse thinks you're weird, so be it. Mine already does. Just let it go today and cry out to Jesus. <laughs> because He is able to deliver us. He is. He's proven it over and over again. This is not some kind of pipe dream that we just kind of, you know, Moses sitting around smoking a, smoking a pipe saying, oh, you know what? God delivers people as some abstract Buddhist philosophy that has no grounding in time and space. No, this is a real place and this is a real event so that we can actually say God is a deliverer. And we mean it because he's actually delivered a people out of a situation. And he can deliver you. Now it won't be on your terms. In other words, you say, God, I'm willing, I'm ready to cry out. Lord, I want you to do it this exact way right now in the name of Jesus. And got our wand and we're like, well, maybe I don't need to do that. It's not how it works, is it? It works like this. Lord, this is what I want. And as far as I can see, this is what I think legitimately needs to happen. But instead of pulling back now, I'm going to give it to you. It's in your hands, Lord. I trust you with my life, with my wife, with my children, with my job, with my friends, with my house, my car, my finances. With all the stuff that's messed up that I don't even know about yet, that hadn't come out, I trust you. What if the final destination is knowing God? And He wants to walk with us through the wilderness and hold our hand and show us how He can protect us even in the wilderness. Won't that make the mountaintop experiences all the more sweet? I think it will. Because we won't be just enjoying the view, but we'll be enjoying the view with the one that we love, our beloved. That's what love's all about, isn't it? You can travel the world and go see stuff for yourself, but what about with the one you love? Isn't that all the more sweet? Those buildings become sweeter. Those moments become more awesome with the one you love. Somebody should write a song like that, right? The final destination is not Canaan, friends. And that's why the very first place God takes them to on the way to Canaan is the place of bitterness. And he says, look, even here, I can make it sweet, but it's going to take a cross. Notice he grabs a tree and tosses it into the water and it becomes sweet. 
And in the rottenness of our world, God, the Son, takes on flesh and becomes one of us. And He too takes a cross and throws it into the chaos of our world. And it can become sweet. Suffering can be made to be redemptive. He says this, I can make all things good. I I can't. You can't. But it'll make us sweeter or more sour depending on if we choose to embrace the cross or reject it. The cross is God's way. No one could have thought up that plan but him. And it's his way. And Jesus will tell his disciples, if you want to follow me, don't just believe in your head. Oh yeah, I believe there's a God. I hope that's enough to get me there. Get you where? You see, heaven is not the final destination. Heaven's a side project. It's a waiting room. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a new Canaan, in other words. But that's not even the final destination. It's the presence of God. God is the final destination. And here's the thing. We can get a pre-show today. We can enjoy his presence today. We don't have to wait. He's come in his fullness, the Bible says. (laughs) But it does mean what John the Baptist said, and that is, I must decrease in order for him to increase in my life. And God's got some really neat ways to help us decrease. He knows his children, doesn't he? It's not going to look the same for me as it does for you. But he's leading us all to the same place, and that's to in his arms. He wants us just like just like Jessica and I love to do so much, is to have our children come and just sit with us. They don't have to say something profound. They rarely do. <laughs> and we rarely do. God is not looking for our great abilities and gifts, is he? He's just looking for us to come sit in his lap. Rest in his presence. Let us live today in the reality of our final destination. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who is the beginning and the end, the Bible says. Jesus, the firstborn among many. He wants to share all His good gifts with us. But most importantly, His best gift, who is the Holy Spirit for us Christians. That's His best gift. Jesus Christ, crucified, resurrected. He is a good Father after all. He knows what we need most. God of all ages, You led Your people through the parted waters of a wind-swept sea. You guided them through barren wilderness into a land flowing with milk and honey. Be with us today 
lead us ever onward in the pilgrimage of faith until we find our rest in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.